Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed. Got Shell right here on my side of the table. Shell, we got a guest on the other side. Who we got with us this week? It's just Mark. It's Mark. He's probably been on the podcast more than anybody. Almost as much as you. Almost. No, I appreciate it. It's a, it's always a good time. It's it's a busy year. We've we've been traveling a lot, cooking a lot, so it's a definitely a little bit picked up from last year. But we've enjoyed it, having a good year, and just kind of chasing that dream, seeing what's out there. So, what have you been cooking? MBN, something I said I never would cook. Memphis Barbecue Network. Memphis Barbecue Network. We uh. It started out as we were just cooking hogs to practice for Memphis and May. Well, Memphis and May's over, and guess what? We're still cooking hogs. That's like right. <laughs> You've seen where Memphis and May has said that they are officially doing it somewhere different. Did this you year. see the price tag on that? One point five or one point four million dollars. Yeah. So much damage. So I'm they're like, saying that's that crazy. That's how much damage was done to the, to the park. park. Yeah. yeah. After after all of Memphis and May, that has to include music for everything they did down there, not yeah. just barbecue. It was like, I don't forget, like a stupid amount for landscape. I'm like, there wasn't even that much landscape out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's I it's it pretty was. much a crock. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, so the rumor was when they said they were moving, they were going to have it back down there. They were going to, Memphis and May was going to go back to the river one time. That was the rumor. And they were just going to prove that they can't have it there anymore, so they're going to find a new location. Yeah, and it seems that's come yeah. true. Yeah, because they it, it's like the whoever the planning commission or whoever's in charge of all that doesn't want to have Memphis and May down there for some reason. I hope they get it completely out of Memphis. Period. Yeah. So they don't want to hear first. What Mississippi and May? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Memphis River Kings come to South Haven, so why not barbecue? Yeah. <laughs> But if they don't have it next year, we're going to do find something else to get into. You found a cool, cool contest up in North Carolina, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a hog contest. It's way different than what we've been doing, but it's very interesting to me. Yeah. What is it called? Do you remember? Uh, the darn something barbecue fest on, on Nuos. Nuos, how you say uh, it? N N E U S E or something? Oh, don't Man, get me lying. Yeah, you got me lying. But it's strictly a hog contest. Um, they claim it's the world's largest hog contest. Everybody gets the same hog or something? Everybody gets the same hog from now. Correct. I mean, if I'm wrong about this, guys, and y'all know more about it, shoot us a message, let me know. But the way I understood it watching the YouTube video is they come around and give you the hog. It looks like everybody cooks the same whole hog, um, and the judges come to you. You don't build a box, and it's strictly a Carolina-style hog. Salt, you know, they're judging on how brown it is, what kind of color, the skin crispness. Crisp crispiness um and the judges come to you they glove up and they demolish that no hog. presentation no just, presentation whatsoever yeah. you just get it done you get it done they come in and dig around they it. they open the pit up i think you got four bottle or four little bowls of sauce for the judges and they got like these big like heavy duty gloves and they just tear into that hole and they start pulling bones out they're doing the you know the test where the bone dries out to know that it's tender yeah. or done and they break the skin they taste it and they go on to the next one i kind of like that idea because it's it's how good can you cook a whole yeah. hog? Not how good can you put the meat into In the a box? box. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it was pretty interesting. Now, when them judges left, this hog looked like it had been picked over at a hundred people <laughs> like, to make this yeah. hog. You know, but they can't eat that much of it if they're judging that. They many can't hogs. be. And they yeah. got to have. Yeah. I'm assuming more than just those four judges. Oh yeah. You know, I'm sure there's probably rounds of them, and 
It once was, it's picked over, once it's picked over, yeah. though. But then no I think back. they take all the they take all the leftovers and like they donate them and they use that to raise money and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. So yeah. like nothing goes to waste. That might be one you need to visit first. Yeah, just I got a message. Oh, yeah. I, the video that the couple that had the YouTube channel, I sent them a message like, "Hey, you know, give me some details on this. You know, we'd be interested. This is definitely out of our wheelhouse because we're used to cooking a bright red Memphis style hog. Yeah. You know, this is not that at all." So, I mean, I'm sure you could cook it that way. It just probably ain't going to do as good. They ain't going to like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, to but me. But I mean, it's like learning new things. You it know? is. Yeah. And to me, that to me, that's that's a good eating hog. And I, I'm interested in that because that's something that is, you taste the hog. You know, it's kind of what we started out doing is, you know, fireballing these hogs, getting the skin crispy and stuff like that. But that's not necessarily going to be what the judge are looking for in our area. You know, so you got to play the game. And we've learned that over time, you know. No matter what yeah. kind, kind of no, conversation. Any, any level. Yeah. I mean, you can look at KCS, whatever. Yeah. We're pretty good at playing those games most of the time. Yeah. We gotta you learn. Gotta learn you them. gotta learn them. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta learn them. There's always a learning curve. Yeah, and there's so many different sanctioning bodies out there right now, you know. We were up in St. Louis. They have a whole St. Louis barbecue mm-hmm. society. There's Georgia has their own. Yeah, there's, there's like three or four different yeah. ones in Texas. Yeah. yeah. I don't forget how many uh, for the Jack draw the other day. How many teams was in it from Texas? Because all the qualifiers down, it was like 150 or 200 really? bungs in the barrel mm-hmm. for Texas. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. That's what everybody says. All the guys from Texas want to go cook. They're leaving Texas to get a draw somewhere else yeah. because, like, you got a slim to none chance in Texas. But it's a big state. Um. So speaking of what contests, are, are there any contests that you haven't done that you want to do? And this is for you too, Mount. This like a bucket no. list type contest. Houston, <laughs> I figure you'd say Houston. Uh, you know, I mean, I'd go. I'd, <laughs> I got a I ain't, I ain't, it ain't burning no hole in my pocket to get there or nothing. <laughs> I told him yesterday we rode by that black trailer sitting down there and I was like, man, I got to pull her out of retirement at some point. <laughs> got to get her ready. I want to do the pig jig. Yeah, I could see. Definitely want to go down there. I'd like to do Houston. Um, there's a couple like I've been seeing these TikToks on meat stock here lately. You know, in, in Australia? Australia. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in that one. It look. I don't think it's more of a. I mean, it might it's have a, a contest, contest it's aspect. More of a but it's a yeah, yeah. It's like a meat festival. Yeah. Do they still do the Big Apple Block Party? Mm-hmm. Nope. Quit doing that one. And see, I seen the other day, which I would like to go there's see. There's one in DC. Well, there's that barbecue, but Capital Barbecue Battle or whatever. And then there's a Windy City Smokeout. It's not a contest. It's not a contest, but I would like to go visit. Yeah. I'd like to go see it. Yeah, that's so kind do, of a festival too. They do one like in Denver. They do one in St. Louis. They do, you know, there's some of those big festivals like that. I'm more of a, this year has been crazy because we cooked so much, but somebody asked me the other day, he's like, well, how do you know what contest you want to go do? And I was like, I want to go somewhere that I want to go. Yeah. Like, I love Galax because I like going to Galax because it's 70 degrees up there when we go. Murfreesboro, same way, you know. So I think a lot of our contests, especially, is destination contests. That's what I look forward to. Like, they got one this year. I think it's in November in Biloxi. is the last NBN contest. And it's like at this awesome, like on the beachfront RV resort. Super, super nice. And I was like. Y'all already, going to it? Yeah, yeah, we've already signed up. Do what we do month that is one? it in? November, yeah. I think. It's like the first week of November. Oh, is it? We went to a KCBS contest down there at Biloxi. It was like um, Isle, the Island View Casino. Uh, yeah, that's the one Put I was that on. It was like right across the street from the bay. It was pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of good food down there. Yes. So. 
I like those coastal contests. It gives you a reason to go to the beach. I do too. <laughs> this one's like in the, I guess it's like in a bay area or somewhere down in Bluffs. Yeah. Like the actual RV park's like oceanfront type deal, you know? So I was like, we need to get one of them. Yeah, that'd so be fun. We're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to the rest of this year just to kind of see. We're going to play the best card game we can play and see where the cards fall. You know, I'm just anxious to see kind of how we stand up this year, first year NBN, and still learning every week. So I'm excited. Well, this week y'all did, um, we released a video that you both were in all about brisket, about brisket basics. It was kind of more of a, less of a recipe video. And what would you say? More of a it's kind of like informational yeah how to cook how to cook a brisket or how to do it on stick burner yeah. pretty much yeah. what it was not so much it wasn't so much a recipe as you could season it or do all that it's more a technique so i guess it'd be a brisket technique video yeah brisket techniques I and think, y'all talked about more than just yeah and we kind of gave we kind of gave our thoughts on tips and stuff like that for cooking a brisket i think that's so much more valuable than a recipe yeah because a recipe is flavor like that's not the technique like you do a recipe this way with these rubs or these spices or these seasonings because that's the flavors you like. Well, I may not like that, yeah. but the technique's going to be the same. Yeah. You know, if you want to get a tender brisket, the technique's going to be the same. And I think that's way more valuable to me than like, hey, you know, use this, use this, use that, you know. But it was fun. It was a, I think it gave us the opportunity to talk about our best brisket cooks and our worst brisket cooks, you know. And yeah. I've learned a lot more from a bad brisket cook than I have a good brisket cook. So <laughs> that's very true. I mean, brisket is the hardest thing to cook. I don't care what anybody says. You could screw one up. So there's so many ways you can screw it up. Well, I I mean, even just from buying it at the store, not getting a good brisket. I mean, that's that's the variable. Is to me, I feel like the briskets are the most inconsistent protein out there. Like, why, why do you think that is? I don't know. I guess it's just the muscle and yeah. you know being it's. Technically, kind of a leaner cut on a yeah. cow, you know. It's just but, not a good cut to begin yeah. with. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, really like if not. you go get ribs, yeah. most of the time you're getting the same kind of rib. You know, I mean, you can step up Especially different breeds. You look at the brand, right? Yeah. If you go get a pork butt, I mean, I've never been like, man, this pork butt's light years better than this one. But you can go get a brisket, and you'd be like, this is a good brisket, you know. So I think it's you're you think never. It's our area, or do you think it's that's just how it is across the board? I think yeah, that's, that's how it is. Huh? Yeah. Unless you fork the money out for like a, you know, Australian Wagyu or something like that from Kevin or something that is like marble to the peak, mm -hmm. you're not going to get the same. You could go buy a case of briskets right now from Costco or Sam's, and I guarantee you out of 10 of them in there, it's going to be 10 different ones. I've done, I've bought a, like a case of those IBP briskets or whatever they are from, you know, Sam's Club or Costco or Restaurant Depot. And across the board, there's different ones. I mean, in the case, no two are alike right. when you cook them. Um, I, and I don't, I guess it's just the, the life of that cow. I mean, there's not as much quality control on a brisket, I guess. I mean, I don't know what it is, honestly. It's, it comes down, it has to come down to marbling and the quality of the meat. And I guess, I guess that works that cow's neck. So, I mean, if he's a right-handed cow, he may look to the right. <laughs> way, you know? I don't know. Like, it's just, as, I mean, that's a big muscle they use moving around, walking and getting up, getting down and everything think they do. About, think about this is like, we trimmed that brisket, or you trimmed that brisket before I got there, and it was just a normal trim, nothing a crazy aggressive. But if you was to take those 10 briskets out of a case and trim them all as close to the same as you can, none of them are going to look the same. Like, it's, I see more shape differences in brisket. Like, you look at the A9s versus a prime, mm -hmm. and you know how much different that A9's shaped, but it's still a cow. Like, why is it that much difference? You know, what, what changes that? And I don't know. I just think it's... 
you're never going to get the same product. And your goal is to create the same finished product, but you're not going to start with the same product every time. And that's where the hard part of a brisket is. Well, do you think you could take, say, a cheap brisket, like, I mean, a select or a choice grade, and cook it to where it's as good as an expensive brisket that you spent two, over 200 bucks on? No. You don't think it'd ever come close? Mm-mm. Because I know how good my A9 is, and yeah. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to cook a select <laughs> that good. Well, it'll take that question. Could you take a really expensive brisket and turn it into a really crappy one Yeah. by the end of the cook? I mean, it can go either way. way. I mean, yeah. not saying you can't cook a good select grade or a cheaper grade brisket. I'm That's what we started out cooking. You know, I'm not saying you can't, but I'm saying you would have to be at your best game. You would have to hit every mark to make that brisket as good as what a Wagyu. And you could screw up a lot on a Wagyu or a higher-grade brisket, and it'd still be dang good. Yeah, That's the reason we cook them in contest is because more room for you air. have so much more room for air. I mean, you can literally overcook or undercook one in Wagyus, and it's still tender, and it's yeah. still good. Now, the mouthfeel may not be perfect, but it's still dang good. So if you just want to cook a brisket for your friends, family, backyard brisket, where do you go to get that? You're going to have to go to a box store. You know, we get, we're get we lucky enough to have Sam's and Costco and several butchers in our area. But starting out, I would say, you know, if you could find a prime at Sam's, that would be my recommended because it's not overly priced, but it still gives you a little bit of cushion as far as marbling. You know, it'll have a little bit more marbling. You'll still be that good beefy flavor. And that's another thing is people don't realize is, to me, a choice grade has more of that beef flavor than like a prime or wagyu does because i guess the fat marble like granted it's a different flavor but it's just like a sirloin to me a sirloin is way beefier tasting than a ribeye and i think the lesser grade briskets have that so that's kind of a toss-up so you think the the muscles actually taste beefier than i think you pick up more on the beef flavor yeah i mean you look at a flat iron you know a flat iron's beefy yeah a fillet is really Eh, yeah, it's not as not. much. Yeah, I don't get the beefiness in a fillet, but I do. I, I I do agree with you. Like on the the flat iron, the skirt, those Denver steaks, they have a beefy. They have that more beef flavor to them. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he cooks in Texas, and uh, that's what he said. He said the wagyu's don't don't do nearly as good down yeah, here because, because of the flavor. They don't have that beefy mm-hmm. flavor, so he usually cooks a lesser grade. He might cook a you know, a high-grade prime or a low-grade Wagyu, but he said, once you get in them crazy marble ones, he said, they don't do as good. So I want to go to Texas, see if I can do as good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm's gotten some first-place briskets yeah, in yeah, Texas. Got a 180 first, first time I cooked that's over there, a 180 with a, with a Wagyu brisket yeah. in Texas. That's a goal. And people said it couldn't be done yeah. back then. Everybody outside of Texas wants to go to Texas and get a brisket call. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't blame them because I've had some mighty fine briskets in Texas, so – it's, but I mean, those you can't compare them to those restaurant briskets what we're cooking mm-hmm. in contests and stuff. That's another thing. A good friend of mine's wife, she wants me to cook a brisket for him, and I was like, "Do you want to eat in brisket or do you want a competition brisket?" She's like, "Which one's better?" I was like, "For one bite, competition brisket's fine." Yeah. You know, I was like, "But you're not gonna want to sit down and eat a plate of it. Like, you're not gonna want more than a half a slice, if that. You know." Mm-hmm. So, brisket's been one of ours that. We struggled with it first, but it was one of the things that that's what I took the most pride in cooking. And it's one of them things, like, I guess every barbecue guy, like, they always want to nail the brisket. And I just took it a little, like, I really want to nail the brisket every time. And I enjoy cooking brisket for the difficulty of it, you know. But once you figure it out and realize it's not a time game, 
throw the clock out the window. Like just cook it till it's tender. You know. I was going to say that. What do you think the number one thing is? People screw up. Why brisket's hard for them? Because they want to look at a number on that thermometer and time, and you can't do it. I mean, I use that as a guide, and people say this all the time: temperature is just a guide, time's just a guide. At that point, time is not a guide for brisket, in my opinion. Time does not make a bit of difference. I mean, yeah, it needs time in the pit, but you have to go off field and you have to know like a choice grade. It's only going to go to about 202, maybe 205, but it's not going to go much further. It's going to be over. You know, prime, you can take it up a little bit further. You know, you you learn that and learn the feels of the quality of brisket. And I've got to a point now that like cooking these competition briskets, I can look at a brisket when I'm trimming it and I know about what I'm going to push it to every time. And like, when we were in Galax, me and Jay both looked at the brisket in the trailer before we injected it, and we both spit out a number and a time, and we kind of agreed on it. That's what we went to. And it's, it that takes, comes with doing that it. comes with doing it. Yeah. That's many, many briskets cooked, but I think it's people get in a hurry. They try to push that brisket. Well, it's only, I need to go to 198. That's what this recipe says. Well, it's going to be tight or it might yeah. be over. And a lot of these temperatures really don't matter because we're cooking on stick burners. So we're going to push them a higher temperature than what somebody says cooking on a WSM or backwoods or a lower temp. You're not going to cook that pellet grill. a pellet grill. If you're <clears> cooking <throat> low and slow, the finished temp's not going to be as high as what it is if you're cooking over 300 degrees. Why? Because it's the amount of time it's in the stall. The stall is what makes it tender. So anywhere from that 175 to 195, the amount of time's in that stall is what makes it tender. So if it's going to be in that stall period a lot longer, your finish temp's going to be a lot lower. When we're cooking hot and fast, we push right through that stall. We have to push it further to render the fat. We'll still get it tender, but you're not going to render the fat. Same concept with like a sous vide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You, it, right. If you can hold it in that lower temperature longer, it'll get done. It'll That's the reason time. those overnight pork butts and those overnight briskets on that pellet grill at 200 degrees are so dang good, you know, because it's in that stall. You're rendering everything. And once we, we kind of learned that when we went to hot and fast is we were trying to take it to the same temp as what we were when we were cooking low and slow. And you can't, it doesn't work. It might be tender, but if you notice, you'll get like on special on some of these Wagyu's, you'll get a waxy feel because it's a lot of fat in that brisket slice that has not rendered. And now like when we slice them, we're taking them way past 210. Like we're pushing the wheels off these briskets. What's the highest you've taken one? 214. That's the highest? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you were cooking hot and fast. Cutting hot and fast. Yeah. And a lot of that, too, and we, we talk about some videos where you're at. You know, if you're in Galax, Virginia, or if you're 3,000 feet-ish, you're not going to see 214 on the brisket. Oops, Even if you are, it won't do it. 207 is all you're going to see. Galax, my brisket went to 207, and it never comes off that low. What do y'all think's better? Like, what's your own personal opinion? Hot and fast, low and slow? If I you're mean, gonna cook a brisket, low and slow is always better to me. Always. There's no, I mean, just because, like Mark said, it gives time for that fat to fully break down, keep the meat juicy. I mean, a babysitter one, if you got time to do it and cook it 17 to 20 hours and then let it rest on top of that, it's hard to beat. But nobody's got that. I mean, they're not cooking competition briskets. Yeah. Like that, you know? Is that just why you do hot and fast? Is because it's time, time. thing? Yeah. Time thing, and I don't think a hot or I don't think a low and slow would work for our recipe. Yeah, in competitions. Um, in fact, I, I know it won't. I mean, it's there's no possible way. But the reason we do it is time. I like my sleep. 
So I get my sleep <laughs> and I put on late in the morning and shove them, you know, push them on through there. But hot and fast has its, has its purpose. Um, for competition wise, there's a different feel. There's a different texture you get on hot and fast than you'll get on a low and slow, especially on pork and brisket. You don't notice it as much on ribs or chicken, but pork and brisket, you definitely notice a different texture, a different mouthfeel that is very pleasant that judges seem to like. Um, and you may back this up is our old rib recipe. We had a timeline and we kind of knew when them ribs would come off when we were cooking 200, 225, 250. That recipe there has not changed at all going hot and fast. And I can't, I mean, I guess because the ribs lay so flat in the pit that it's really not in that hot and fast environment like you think it is, whereas a pork butter brisket stands up in that pit. So it's higher in the pit and it's hotter. Our brisket, or not our brisket, sorry, our rib timeline has not changed a bit. But all our other products have. Chicken hasn't changed a bit. We still cook the same amount of time at three hundred as we did when we were at two fifty. Yeah, but I, I've but the big meats have changed. Yeah. I mean, to me, three hundred is perfect for chicken anyway. But it's been. I mean, I, it probably would change if you were cooking like two twenty five to two fifty slower, yeah, maybe. But we ain't cooked pork. At those temps, and I couldn't tell you. Well, y'all used to start y'all's out low and slow, and then y'all would move it over yeah. to dry heat and bump it up, you know, we were once cook- you wrap it. We were cooking on a – oh well, when we cook it on backwoods, we kept it that low. But you you were looking at a six, seven-hour rib then, sometimes eight. Now we're cooking ribs in three and a half, four hours. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. it definitely sped it up some. I don't know. I think you're, the biggest thing is that competition is so different cooking than and what you're going to cook at home. I mean, you're not going – at home, you're not going to take a wagyu brisket and cut it down to where it's a eight and a half by 11, you know, sheet of paper size. I remember and the cook just that flat, just oh, for those slices. Shell gave me such a bad yeah. look that first time. I remember the first time we saw that, somebody was like, they just took a $250 brisket and cut it down to 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for real, that's what you do. That Cooking that, that same way that you cook that brisket would not work for a whole pack of brisket. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, it's got to be trimmed like that. It's got to be cut down, and to to cook it in that amount of time, the way you want to cook it for the box. I mean, you're cooking it, you're cooking it to get perfect slices, to get seven, eight slices to go in a box, and for it to be one bite. I mean, that's the whole total thing. And you're the not, video y'all did was more hey, eating brisket. Eating eating. Brisket, it was straight up yeah. eating brisket, and so we changed that. And it took you could have cooked the competition brisket way faster than oh, yeah. we cooked that brisket in that video. We are averaging. Less than four hours on a comp brisket. Yeah, see, that's that's so crazy to me that you can cook a brisket. <laughs> but I, how long do you let it rest? Do you or is that including the rest? In no, it no, okay. I'll let it rest at least two. Yeah, that's the bigger thing is, and that's something you know a lot of people out there is like I can't you know I I've been to you know Franklin's barbecue I've been to Terry Black's and I can't get that brisket. You're not resting. These guys are resting these briskets twelve to twenty four hours. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're holding them in a proofing oven running them at 150, 170, whatever temp, and they're cooking those briskets the day before and holding them all night, and that is game changer. So it's hard for you to do at home because you technically, most ovens won't go down low enough, and then any other method is going to be too low. So you have to have something to do that. Now, I've done it in the oven. I've set it at 170 and actually set it in a pan and kind of shielded it, and it's been fine. You know, it's How long did you hold it like that? 12 hours. In the oven in like the that, oven. and it is, it is. It's, Did it make a big difference? Oh, hey, doing that? Yeah, there is. There's nothing like it. Really, it it when you talk about 
you texture know, of it, texture, moisture. Like that brisket we cooked was excellent. I can only imagine how good that brisket would be if we'd have done that Held because it, that it read. You know, we always talk about like fats and flavors and moisture redistributing through that meat. It truly does at that yeah. point, and it's it gives it time just to chill out. And I mean, I've done it before in a sous vide. You know, I've cooked a brisket. Put it in a sous vide, lightly vacuum seal it because you don't want to put it in an unnatural state. You don't want to vacuum seal that cooked brisket all the way down because that just, it's not meant to be that way. A lightly vacuum seal it, put it in a sous vide at 150 and let it go. And it is fine. It is so good. So it's fully cooked and then goes, fully you're just holding it? Just holding it in the sous vide. Yeah. What did it do to the outer bark and stuff? Did I get wet? Nothing. But I always put you- back on. Oh, okay. Yeah. You put it back on and dry so it I always out put back on and, you know, I always do that. Yeah. So I mean, it's not that big a deal. Now, if you was to leave it in butcher paper and do that, I don't, I don't think you would lose any of your bark. Yeah, this was completely out and just in a vacuum seal bag. But I think if you was to do that in a butcher paper, it couldn't do nothing. You've got some good tests there. I'd like to see what a brisket would be like. Like cook it like we did. You got it ready to slice it, but you had one the day before that had been holding some. You know, maybe one was in an oven held the best you could. Maybe one was in a sous vide, and then slice them all at the same time. And see if you could tell the difference. They, uh, I, I guarantee you would. Oh, it, huge difference. Yeah. Would it's unreal. About. And I've actually had a guy reach out a couple of weeks back, actually to our company email, and was like, "Hey, you know, I'm wanting to rest a brisket long. What's the safe way to do it?" And like, I got with him, and we got to talking. They do make countertop proofing ovens. Amazon has them, and they're not outrageously expensive. And I'm like, I almost want to buy one. Well, it's not outrageously expensive. I, I mean, it's like a couple hundred too. bucks. Yeah, okay. you know, it's well, not. They have woman drawers. You see them in outdoor kitchens all yeah. the time. They yeah. put them below grills. Um, you know, Ooh, that's a good thing. And, yeah. then, and it's just a controlled heat. It's no different than having like a steam table that you're yeah. that you can control the temp on. I know. I mean, just from experimenting we've done, I've put a, I've left a probe in. I don't know if it's a brisket or butt. You remember it's when we did butt. it in the color? And yeah. we watched it just to see how long it would stay in the safe zone above 140. You're saying we, were we put it in a cooler. In a coat, just a cooler. Like it was a Yeti, I think. No, it wasn't. What? It was one of those cheap island, yeah. uh, oh. island breezes. Oh, was it really? Like the, okay. Yeah. Well, it was eight hours. Yeah. It was in there. And we watched the temp. Yeah. You got tired of keeping up with it. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you got to look, you can hold it a long time if it's wrapped up and you got the space took up inside a dry cooler like that. I think, I mean, I mean, the, I would say put it, leave a thermometer in it though. Yeah. So you know. I think, I think once you figure out resting proteins, it completely changes your whole cook process. You know, I mean, we've done that with ribs. I mean, how many times have we changed? Like we went through and cooked ribs back to back to back and held them at different hours to oh, figure yeah. out that's which how one. Kind of, that's kind of how we got to where we with our technique yeah. now. So I mean, but you don't want to rest those ribs in a great. Good cooler. I mean, you know, they discontinued our party stack. That's what we talked about last. I think Tyler told us that or some of our chill did. So now they've become, I need all mine back. (laughs) I got a couple at the house. Uh, No, we just need to develop the how to barbecue right rib cooler. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why they would just, that was such a great cooler. I don't think nobody, hey, nobody was using it for drinks. Yeah. They're kind of impractical for actual icing down drinks. We've used them before, but. They'll get you by. Yeah. There's yeah. no great way to tote it around either. Yeah. It's kind of just got this molded little. Yeah. You can't rib. even hold it. Yeah. But it's a heck of a rib it's rester. It's a heck of a rib rester. Yeah. <laughs> or a brisket rester. Yeah. That's what I like about it. I think I enjoyed that, that video and that recipe. That was, I mean, I learned something that day, you know. What'd you learn? Two things. 
that really the hardest part to me that I think I struggled with that day in that in that video, and we talked about it a little bit, is tipping the briskets and keeping the moisture off the top. From pooling. From pooling. So explain that. So no, it's natural juice. It's a lot natural of juices. So a lot of times trimming a brisket, and you'll see a, these Texas restaurants are really good about it, and they've 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 figured out the way to make it easy on them, I think. But usually when you're cooking a brisket, it's not going to cook. You can trim it and make it pretty, but once it goes in that heat, it's going to change its shape. You're going, you know, parts of fat's going to render faster than others, so it might make a little divot, and that little divot's going to create a little juicy fat pond is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it'll mess your bark up, you know, so you're not going to get the color there. So you constantly have to kind of keep that moisture off of it. And, you know, a lot of guys will take some of their brisket trimmings and put underneath that brisket to where it domes up. But to me, that changes when you start slicing, it completely changes the appearance of that brisket. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would get in there and we would just tip it and just grab one side of it, tip it up, let the juice run off, put it back down, put a little bit more rub on it and roll on. But I think there's an art to that. I think there's, I think these guys that do this every day know how to trim that brisket to prevent that. So they're changing. I think they're shaping that brisket better. I think they're, they've cooked enough to where they know it's going to do that and they correct it on the front end. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're cooking, I mean, some of these guys cooking 100 briskets a day, you're not out there fighting that every day on 100 briskets. No. You know? I, don't I mean, know. you tip a few of them, but. I don't think so. No. I don't think they care. I think it matters, though. I think, I think especially. So. By the time you know, you're holding that thing for. 10 hours, you think it matters? But they're also something we did different. A lot of these Texas-style pits are not doing is we wrapped way sooner than what some of these guys would. You know, they might run seven or eight hours before they wrap, but they're <clears> not <throat> cooking. A lot of them will wrap before they actually even put them in hold. I yeah. mean, it's like they wrap for the stall. Yeah. 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 So like You're saying they don't wrap until they put them in the hold? Until mm-hmm. it's going to hold, yeah. It's, it's been on that pit all day. Or but all this night. goes back to... The pit you're cooking on, how much you're cooking. I mean, we had one brisket in that pit. That pit could have easily had oh, yeah. more. And you'll learn a lot of these stick burners. And a lot, most any pit other than a pellet grill, I would say, the more you put in it, the better it's going to cook. So you think these guys got a 1,000-gallon pit that's loaded up with briskets? That's going to be a good brisket. you know. And it's not necessarily yeah. – it's because the pit's full. There's enough moisture in the air from all that meat cooking. And it's a gentle cook. You want it full, but not crowded. Right. You want airflow. I've noticed that on the pits I cook on, that they cook better. I get better product on some of the, especially the bigger pits. When I've got them, you know, at or near capacity, but not just jammed where air can't flow. Because you exactly what you said, you get that evaporative cooling of the meat where it's the juices going out, it's mixing with the smoke, and it's making a perfect environment. Air's flowing right in it, and the meat just cooks better. Mr. Charlie Emily's daddy cooked those ribs last week, or I think it was last week, week before last. And he's never done this. He had to cook for an event at his church. He cooked 68 slabs of ribs, and he come barred our old hickory rotisserie. He got done. He said, that was the best rib I've ever cooked. And he's like, it was just, it was amazing. He said, you know, and I was like, well, I said, you had the pit full. I said, they're in there basing each other on that rotisserie. And I was like, it's hard to beat. I mean, it's hard to beat ribs that way. It is. No wrap, no nothing. But again, the pit was loaded correctly. It was enough moisture in the cook chamber. And that's game changer, in my opinion. I mean, we've noticed that, you know, if you cook four slabs of ribs on one of these big outlaws, it's not going to cook quite as good as if you had 12 slabs of ribs <laughs> on there. And I think that's a lot of times where some of these guys are running water pans. I'm guilty of it. I put a water pan in there now. 
if I'm only cooking a couple slabs or a small protein, I'm going to put a little water pan in there just to add some humidity to the cook <laughs> chamber. So talking about the wrap, I mean, what do you use to wrap? What are your options? Do you wrap? Do you not wrap? What do you do with brisket and tallow? Do you use tallow? I mean, what? People want to sell tallow. Sorry. <laughs> hold on, hold on. They want to sell tallow. So they're trying to get people to put it in their briskets. I mean, <laughs> you think that's the tallow <laughs> association? I don't think it makes that much of a difference when you wrap them up. I mean, well, when to you, me, it's always if you want better bark, use butcher paper. If you want to steam up brisket and get it super tender, use aluminum foil. Yeah. And now I've seen them do the boats to where they only wrap the bottom, but not the top. What? And I just think your pit ain't putting good color on your brisket, so you can't wrap it, is what I think. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. I mean, I guess you're catching some of the yeah, juices, you're but the juices, why but... am I going to have That's like wearing half a sock. Like, why are you going to do that? Like, it don't make no sense. I'm a preferably, I'm a aluminum foil guy. I always wrap aluminum foil. Um, that's just because so many competition style briskets I cook. I think you get a beefier flavor in aluminum foil because it's holding a lot more of that moisture in there. So it kind of like concentrates it, I guess you'd say. But at home, man, butcher paper brisket's hard to beat. And I think the only thing we add to a butcher paper brisket, and this is just for ease of use, is we will spritz the paper, you know, to make it more pliable so you can fold it and roll it up. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only thing with tallow. It ain't like it's giving you any more flavor to put the grease It's not going in the brisket. Yeah. It's making it greasy on the outside. And then as soon as it cools off a little bit, you're eating a wax candle because you don't put all that tallow on the outside (laughs) of it. Like, eh. Yeah, I don't, no. I don't. I don't think that helps you any at all. It's, I don't know. I'm like you. I'm anti tallow. Yeah. I mean, it's brisket. all right. Don't get me wrong. I like warm beef tallow. I mean, I love, it's delicious I love on bread. Bones. I love dipping bread in it. Yeah, but once it cools off, it's waxy. I mean, yeah, it's a, it leaves a film in your mouth, so it'll do that. If you like your brisket greasy, there you go. Coat it up in it. It's like when you're making tomato soup. You want to make yeah. better tomato soup, add more tomato soup to it. That's exactly what you're doing with the <laughs> yeah. wagon or the tallow. It's going to make its own. It's going to render out what it yeah. needs to render. It's going to do its own thing. I could see rubbing it down with it before you put your seasonings on it as a binder. Just because it's going to help everything stick to it. It may help the outside brown up a little more at first. It's not giving you any more flavor on it. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not doing anything for that. And we, you're allowing it it's to like cook putting off. oil on yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, we made a tyler that time we done that prime rib. Yeah. And it was delicious. But we had a cut station and we were running them slices through that hot tallow and then thumb grinding a little seasoning. I mean, we were jazzing those slices up and it was a good bite. Right but, then. Right then. But once it got cool, again, you just waxy. It was yeah. it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. So it has its place. Like I would love to have that tallow rendered off that. Wagyu brisket for some bread, just like you would some bone marrow. Like I, Heck I can yeah. get on board with that, but I'm Mixing not going to get some mayo. <laughs> yeah. Speaking so of mayo, uh, blue plate mayonnaise, best mayonnaise on the planet. Uh, Mark, what is your favorite mayonnaise brand? I played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to say it, is he? No, I, I need you to say blue plate now. <laughs> if I'm making a sandwich, a tomato sandwich, it's only blue plate. A, to- a tomato sandwich does not taste the same with any other out there. So I will leave it at that. <laughs> I love all mayo. Do you really? I do. You're a mayo junkie. Emily come home the other day with some Aldi brand mayo that I have no idea what it is. Like it wasn't even, it didn't, I think it was wrote in a pencil, like whatever brand it was. 
And it was good mayonnaise. They as long as it's not Miracle Whip, I'm on board. I bet it was Berman's. It is Berman's brand. <laughs> it ain't bad. <laughs> it is good. It ain't Blue Plate. It ain't Blue Plate. If you're choosing mayonnaise this weekend, make sure you choose Blue Plate. Hashtag We got Blue love. Plate in the refrigerator. Go Blue Plate. So you have both? Or both I kinds? got three or four brands. That, really? Yes. Because when we were all talking about this several months back, we were talking about doing a mayo tasting. I went and bought like five of them, and I'd done it. A mayo tasting. <laughs> he couldn't wait to do a mayo tasting. I mean, he's just lined them up, get the spoons out. I was. Do you use the same spoon, or do you use a different spoon for each one? How's that? My house, I use same spoon. It's like Granny's been there. No, my <laughs> grandmother's been there. It's gonna be cornbread and black eyed peas mixed up in that mayonnaise. Tomato stuff. seeds yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's gonna be pink almost. Yes, she has her own mayo, like Mammy's mayo. She's she going in everything. There. Everything's going in that jar, huh? You got to understand, like, I was eating black-eyed peas and mayonnaise when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, and to, that is still one of my favorite summertime. I never heard of that until I met Shell. You're missing out. Because it's New Year's, and she's putting mayo on black-eyed peas. I was like, what? That's supposed to be pepper sauce. All right. Oh, no, I did it. It's delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> lie. I did it. I was like, what? You put a little pepper sauce with it, too? Game changer. Yeah. This I is what put you, the pepper sauce, too. Mayo's not just for sandwiches. You can put it in your chili, your vegetable soup. Your black eyed peas, your turnip greens. I've no way I'm turnip putting it in turnip greens and cornbread. Yes, and mayo. There is nothing wrong with that. Uh, now, I will say this Mikey put me on mayo on cornbread instead of butter. Yes. You slice a piece of hot cornbread in, slather it up with some blue plate. Son. It is so freaking. If you good. grease your skillet before you make your cornbread with the mayo, the crust on the cornbread is light years better than any other. Oh, yeah. Smokes. It's like an eighth inch thick. Like, oh, it's good. <laughs> Have you done? Have you made biscuits with it? Uh, we've done the what was it? Mayonnaise biscuits. Paula Dean used to have a recipe. It was like four sticks of butter and flour or something for biscuits. Yeah, yeah and then that. we've you done cook them ma- in butter, but pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. We've done it with mayo instead of the the butter, and I mean it's a good biscuit. Yeah, you done the mayo cupcakes? They were good. Yeah, they were good. They were good. There was nothing. They're okay. I, I mean, you couldn't tell it was a. You couldn't tell mayonnaise was in it. So I tell you what we did this weekend. I, matter of fact, I was on the phone with you. We were cooking pancakes at the house. I started, I make pancakes from scratch. I don't use Bisquick. I use flour, make my own. There you go. It's easy. It's like three ingredients. Yeah. But we didn't have eggs. So I was like, hmm, I know what's, I know Blue Plate's got some good stuff in it with eggs. So. <laughs> got egg yolk in it. Yep. So what I do, I put me three big old tablespoons of mayonnaise in my pancakes and was like, these are some good pancakes. Were they really good? Oh, they were delicious. Did you tell her? Yeah, she watched me do it. She's like, I don't know about this. And I was like, well, we ain't got no eggs, so we got to do something. No, they was fine. They was really good. Huh. Don't hate on the mayo. So, back to brisket real quick. Um, you put mayo on a brisket? Heck yeah. <laughs> mayo on a brisket sandwich? I'm talking about as a binder, like coated on the outside. Oh, no. Uh, burn-ins. What's the deal with burn-ins? Nobody's, real bar, real anymore in case in KCBS. All my points are in my freezer. Yeah, yeah. I save them for ground up deer meat. Man. So is that what it is? Points. The point of a brisket for KCBS or for competition brisket? Yes, you're going to use the point. Real burn ends are not that. You know that is truly a real burn end to me is the burnt ends. You yeah. know it's all your usually on the it's going to be on the flat side where it tapers off all them little crispy edges that get a little charred up. That's your that burn we end. all It's trimmed off now. We get trimmed off. Nobody's cooking briskets where you get the true burn in anymore because used to, I first started cooking briskets, they would open them up and throw them on the pit. Yeah. There wasn't no trimming yeah. them. You'd cook them, all that fat and everything on it. They use those burn ends to get people to buy a brisket. Here, try this. 
Try this. Yeah. Throw it up on the counter as they're cutting it up. This is what brisket is, you know? And yeah. They were just like little gifts. If you get a perfect little square cube of brisket and they call it a burn-in, I hate to tell you that's not a burn-in. <laughs> right. That's what it has kind of bastardized. Now, to. is it a good bite? Yeah. Heck yeah, it's yeah, a good it's bite. It's fatty, it's, tender. I mean. It's usually coated in some kind of sauce. Yeah. So I, that would be my recommendation is if you were going to cook a brisket, your very first brisket, go buy a whole one, learn to trim it, separate your point and flat, put the point, vacuum seal it, put it off the side. Do not cook it your first time. Cook or the flat. Don't cook the flat. Cook just the point because you can't screw a point up. I mean, we don't even temp them. We just put them on there and forget about them, wrap them in a little while. Well, color go, is good on yeah, it. Yeah. Go back out there 10 hours later some days and like, oh, crap, that point's still on there. And you go out there and probe it. It's like, oh, it's overdone. You go and slice it and it is perfect. <laughs> you still hold your points now? Oh, yeah. Just as long? Mm-hmm. Which we don't cook them in contests. We've cooked them up here. And I mean, I still like a good burn in. Don't get me wrong. Like a, I love me a good, greasy, fatty, good, soft. Mm-hmm. Just It's like a meat cloud. Mm-hmm. So why are, are you not putting them in the box anymore in, in competitions? Why are you not serving them to judges? Because. The trendy thing? No. I want to put in the box to where there's no guessing. There's nothing that judge can score us down on. And a burn-in is a gamble. I mean, I've cooked them perfectly and got hit, and I've cooked them to where they were terrible and done good. And that just gives you one more thing that judge can score you down. If he only can judge the flat, he or she can only judge the flat, guess what? If your flat's perfect, they're not scoring you down. But if you give them a point and that flat's a little bit better – then that burn in, guess what? They're going to score you down because of that burn in. So I only give them just the flat, give them the best flat I possibly can give them. And, and, and we're just banking on judges not scoring you down for putting them in there. Yeah. Or not having Yeah, them. not having Yeah. Because yeah. if I see a brisket box, I'm like, man, they screwed up. What'd they do with their point? They only serve flat. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, this is all? <laughs> what happened when they do the rest of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, but judges you, can't, ain't you can't judge what's not in the box. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. They can't judge you for your, your other end of your ribs not being in there. Right. So we've only done flats for two years now and, and consistent brisket calls. Yeah. I think we've not got a call one time in brisket in the last two years. Wow. So it's been brisket. A lot been, of first places there. A lot too. of first places. Our brisket's been our bread and butter. Still humble because I still want to learn and get better because there's always something else to learn, but I'm pretty proud of my brisket recipe. A lot of shout-outs to Outlaw Smokers for building a pit that'll cook this recipe perfectly every time. So real quick before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about the community. We've got a Between the Buns contest going on in the community right now. Um, Do you want to guess what a Between the Buns contest is? What is is Between the Buns? Um, It is basically... Any recipe that is between some buns, hamburgers, hot dogs, full pork sandwiches. What? I mean, it's got to be like bread, like bread buns, right? Sandwich between some bread. Okay. All right. (laughs) Just making sure because, I mean, some of these TikTok cookers out there, they got some buns they can put stuff between and they would probably win it. There's some. So what's the contest? So you got to just send a picture or? Yeah. You post a picture. um, Something you cooked or? Yeah. Something you cooked. That is your best between the buns recipe. And then the top three, uh, no, top five. We're giving away prizes for the top five. Okay. First prize gets uh, a gift card to our online shop um, and a gift card to the butcher, Pensacola Butcher Shop. Wow. Yeah. I sign up for this. Yeah. Yeah. Cook a hot dog. Yeah. What's your best between the buns recipe? Me? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. I, I don't know. Best? It's probably going to be a pork belly sandwich. I saw that one of those on the, somebody yeah. entered one of those. I would have to do a brisket sandwich. A brisket sandwich. Like a breakfast mm-hmm. style brisket, like with the hollandaise oh, sauce, that's real mustard. I don't know, man. Oh, wait, hold on. Provolone Let's talk about cheese. This some more. Uh, that sounds almost like a. Uh, Just doing like a bagel? Yeah. So we when we tailgated a lot, that's what I would always make. I'd get the little miniature bagels. I'd cook a brisket the week before, let it get cold, slice it, do a hollandaise, provolone cheese, and creole mustard, and pop in the oven until the cheese provolone melts all over it. Of course, provolone's full of fat, so it gets good and juicy in there. But I would turn around and do that on like a hoagie roll or something like that. Be pretty good. Oh, that sounds that really good. good. That'd be real good. I don't know. A ribeye sandwich would be hard to beat too, though. Yeah. Oh, There's so many like. Sliders, uh, yeah, but I you cook a slider. But man, what, what about a Philly cheesesteak? Yeah, I mean, fish sandwich. Anything, fish sandwich. <laughs> that is not going to win it. <laughs> a fish. How was your Dave and Buster's fish the other day? It was fishy. <laughs> <laughs> it was busted. Uh, it was fishy, and I should have known better. Don't go to Dave and Buster's and order the fish. I was tempted, and the more I thought about, it, I was like, "We are at a arcade. I am not ordering a fish sandwich." <laughs> Go with something they you know they can do. Yeah. yeah. I got wings. Yeah. Those wings looked money. The wings were good. Yeah. I was shockingly like, the best bite I have was truffle fries. Me too. That was the truffle fries were on time. See, I ordered truffle fries at an arcade and they, that they were out. pretty good. Yeah. They were delicious. That's the best steakhouse in arcade setting you can get. <laughs> what did you order? I ordered a uh, Philly cheesesteak. Was it good? Heck yeah. Because they put that cheese sauce all over it. Yeah. Jamie ordered like extra cheese sauce. And I said, double that up, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> cheese sauce on mine. <laughs> all right, Malcolm, before we wrap up brisket, I do have a question. What's that? Give me your perfect, perfect brisket cook from where you're like, what brisket you're cooking, That's what you're cooking question. on. Give me your perfect brisket cook. You're, you got to impress somebody. Eating okay to impress somebody. You're gonna sit down and eat a brisket with. If them. you're cooking it for ten famous people, ten of your most yeah, yeah. Band, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call yeah. Kevin up at the butcher shop and get one of his A nines. That's gonna be the meat, of, the protein what's, of choice. What's the what's the price tag on that? Two fifty probably. Uh yeah. If you get a comp one, it's gonna be two hundred plus. But if you get one of his non comp A nines, no, I'm talking about one of those twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, pounders. you're gonna spend two hundred bucks. Yeah. The one we had at Memphis and May? Yeah, yeah. That brisket. That brisket. And I'm definitely, I'm not separating it. I'm cooking it whole. I'm cooking it low and slow. Trimming. Fat side up or down. Way, fat side down. I don't, I, I just, I'm a fan of fat side down. We cooked that other one fat side up. It's okay. You trim most of it off anyway. I mean, it's down to a quarter inch, but I'm going to cook it fat side down. And I'm going to baby that thing. I just think I get a better brisket. I like that little piece of fat. On the bottom of my slice, I like the crust to round out the edges and go over the top. I just think that's perfect. I'm going to wrap it in butcher paper. I'm going to smoke it till it gets to about bark 30. That's what I'm going <laughs> by. Whatever, <laughs> what wherever bark 30 what is, between 150 and 180, somewhere. Did you say um, what temp you were cooking at? Yeah, I'm going to keep it low. I'm going to cook it below 250. Below 250. Yeah, it's going to take hours. It might take me 26 hours to cook this brisket. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. It might have to yeah. on that yeah. Wagyu like that. That's you got a lot I'm to render. It. Yeah, but that's how I'm going to do it. So I'm going to rest it. it for four hours, too. 
What temp are you taking it to? Till it's done. Till it's tender. <laughs> yeah. I'm not giving you like a 202 or 212. Yeah. It don't work like that. You've got to go by feel alone. It's got to be the right feel. It's hard to explain to somebody. You can let somebody come up and feel it with the thermometer when one's right. That's the closest way I've ever got somebody to experience what it feels like. But not all two, not all briskets feel just alike. It's not the same on every one of them. So it depends on how that cook goes. And two. But that's how I'm cooking it. I guess we might have forgot to mention this, but your first brisket cook, you know, you got to feel it, right? Yeah. Well, just be aware. Every time you go in there and feel it and touch it, you're putting 30 minutes on that cook. Oh, yeah. So I recommend, I think we said this in the video, is take your probe that you're using that's probed in the meat. Don't unwrap that brisket and just move that probe around, poke around, and you'll feel resistance and you'll know. Um, I've actually seen guys take a, uh, I think it's a, what you what are they called? You check the dunnest of cakes, little needle thing you can buy. Oh, I just use a toothpick. Butterfly. Well, they yeah. make like a stainless little probe that you use to check cakes. My, Poker. My, yeah, my <laughs> wife's got one. Yeah. But you could easily put that in there and leave it and let that stick outside your foil or your butcher paper and just shoot pool with it, you know, see what <laughs> it feels like and learn it. But I think a lot of people get in a situation where they open it to check it and they wrap it back up. And they wait 30 minutes to open it, check it. Well, it ain't even recovered from you opening it to the first time. Yeah. And you just throw the stall on it then. And you keep doing that, it'll never get done. I mean, keeping that probe in it, I mean, that's the game changer cooking a brisket. You got to do that. Yeah. I would recommend if you want a temperature, I wouldn't even look at it to over 200. Let it get to 200, then start checking it. Because yeah. if you start checking it at 195, it'll never get there. Once you, I mean, it, it happens with all, everything. Once you open it once, you let all that steam built up that's in there, whatever it is, even if it's in paper, if you was to unwrap it, it's almost never going to recover. It just don't. I don't know what it is. It lets it off. Everything has got built up. When you start jacking with it, it's... It'll uh, throw the brakes on it. What about you, Mark? You've got a group to impress coming over to your house. How are you cooking a brisket? Another A9. If I'm going to go 180 from Malcolm, I'm going hot and fast. I'm probably going to separate the point and flat. <laughs> so you just go get contest time. No, I'll leave them big. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah, trim them all the yeah. way down. Uh, I'm going to start it out at about 400, 450. And <laughs> swell then it up. Swell Wait, it up. 400, 400. So what do you mean when you say swell it up? So with a brisket or anything that's high fatty, just like when you're baking, when you throw bacon in a hot skillet, what does it do? It draws up and it gets all wrinkly. A brisket Burgers do it. Burgers do it. You're shocking it. So I'm going to take a brisket and put it on a microwave shelf in that outlaw, and it's 450 degrees probably. And shock it. And then I'm going to let it stay up there for about an hour. And then I'm going to move it down to the 300-degree shelf and just let it cruise. And I'm not going to push it hard. But toward the end, because it is a really, really marbled brisket, I'm going to bump the temp up again and start really rendering some fat. And do the same thing for the point in the flat. And I'm going to do some of them fake burn-ins. Are you wrapping it? Yeah, I'll wrap it in full. Full, a little bit of beef broth. Of course, you know it's got to have prime beef on it and a little bit of carry gold. You know, you got to have a little, little <laughs> carry gold richness. Yeah. To go with the fat from A9. I'm going to cook the same brisket I did for the pig picking last year, basically, is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it was a good brisket. It was. So, Real good brisket. But that's two different briskets. But I think a lot of people do not get to experience that richness of a competition brisket and it, it floors them. If they've never had it and they take that one bite, they're like, oh my God. And I mean, a lot of times you can, you can eat a good brisket that's cooked well and it's good, but a lot of people have never got to experience that. So I think it shocks them. It's shocking all, you know, they're not going to eat much of it yeah. and they might be running to the bathroom 30 minutes later, but <laughs> guaranteed, it's going to be a good bite. 
probably for a day after. But I'm more comfortable cooking that way because I've cooked so many in contests. You know, that's that's one of the things. Like I, I would have to, if I was going to do a low and slow brisket. I have to back up and think on it for a minute, you know, and make sure I'm hitting my marks. And I'm just you babysit it. I mean, you babysit it in a different way. You're not messing with the grill. You're not putting fire to it adjusting stuff and moving around but you're just watching the time and making and being patient time, it's yeah. patience it's patience but i'll take something low and slow cooked over something hot and fast just about any day on a big meat so since this video is going to be brisket basics or something along those lines is there going to be a like a following brisket video to like follow up to this one it might mm-hmm. be a rib basics or a pork butt basics or I mean, there could be different styles. You could do one low and, you know. Yeah, a low and slow. The low and slow, it just takes so long to film. I mean, yeah. you're talking about two days. Yeah. 24 hours. I mean, that's, it's hard that's to a tell long Tyler time. to come over at 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. to get oh, he grouched all morning that morning. <laughs> uh, real quick before we wrap up, what's your thoughts on the Bucky's brisket? Uh, Bucky's Boosie's? Brisket. <laughs> I love Boosie's brisket sandwich. It's a solid brisket. It, yeah. it, it upsets me that a Texas gas station has better brisket than most Mississippi barbecue restaurants yeah, yeah. does. <laughs> but it's a good brisket. Sandwich. I guarantee you, they're cooking them and holding them a long time before they bring yeah. them out there and yeah. start yelling about cutting them up on the board. Yeah, on the board, brisket on the board. Hey, though, brisket breakfast. Which one? Burrito. Now, here's the question: Which one do you like better, the Boosie sliced brisket or the Boosie's chopped brisket? I always go chop. I always go chop. Chop with mayos and pickles. Yeah. That's what be I hard get. to beat. That's what I get when I go there. Maybe that'd be a follow-up. Like, let's do chop brisket. Man, chop that would be a up. good one to do. But, say, so if you're going to do chop brisket. Okay, if you're going to do chop brisket, here's the deal. Are you going to cook a whole brisket? Are you just going to cook points? Or are you going to cook chuck roast? Because I'm probably going to cook chuck roast. <laughs> I'm gonna chuck cook roast a- chopped up is way better than brisket. Really? Yes, it's so much. I mean, that's that's it. Let's compare a chuck roast to a whole brisket. You cook a chuck roast, I'll cook a whole brisket and chop them up. Chop them up, All right? Because see, be, I think a whole brisket, same theory as a whole hog. You mix some of that lean and that fatty. That's got to be a good bite. Yeah, I mean it is, but it's just. I mean, now for simplicity, you can cook that chuck roast. What in three or four it's hours? Way cheaper too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you take that chuck roast just till it's done. All the way done. I mean, I'll show it with my brisket. It might be one from Kevin, and then we'll go against your chuck roast. <laughs> no, that ain't that ain't fair there. Now, if I get get a chuck roll from Kevin from A nine chuck yes. roll, and then cut good. that up, I guarantee it'd be better. Good stuff. But well, Mark, thanks for coming on today, talking about brisket. I wouldn't with say anything about the Palmer home. Okay, yeah. So we are completely forgot about it. Yeah, we. I have it on my notes and everything. Um, we are currently doing a, a promotion for Palmer Home. It's our yearly fundraiser. It's our feed a family campaign. Um, the goal is to raise enough money to feed an entire family for a year for the Palmer Home. They're an organization that helps children stay out of the foster care system, and it's a great organization. We always try to help them out. If you'd like more information on how to help us raise this money, go to howtobarbecuewrite.com forward slash Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R. First prize wins a outlaw patio smoker and a lesson on how to cook on it. To learn to cook brisket with Mark. <laughs> That'd be a good one. From Mark and Malcolm. Would you help us do the class? Yeah, it's all yeah. hands on deck on that. 
You tell me we're firing about while I'm there. <laughs> I'm ready. But yeah, that's going to be fun. That's, I mean, to me, that's the prize on that. Get to come cook. Yeah. Hang out. I mean, taking work. a $5,000 pickle. Yeah, it's not a bad, it's not a bad. It's pretty thing good either. Yeah. That's a pretty good gig too. You get the, you get a cooker. But gathering around the pit, some memories will be made. Yeah. That's right. It's a once in a lifetime chance. It might be at the smokehouse. We don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know. That wouldn't be a bad way to, you know, break it in. Bring some I'm people pretty down sure there. it's been broken oh, it's in. Broke in. <laughs> <laughs> We've been breaking it in. Um, we got to go film tomorrow. So, yep. well, Mark, let everybody know where they can find you. Y'all can find us at Swine Life BBQ on Facebook, Instagram. Um, hadn't done much on the social networks lately, but y'all can always check us out. If y'all got any questions, we'll be glad to answer them. You do have a pretty big catalog of videos on your YouTube. Yeah. yeah. A lot of recipes there. He's on Buck Junkies, too. On Buck Junkies, too. Filmed yesterday with it. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and, of course, YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody out there checking us out. Mark, thank you again for coming and hanging out with us. Looking forward to doing some more of those. Kind of basic style videos, just kick back talking about what we're cooking instead of just trying to throw a recipe out there. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Enjoyed it. So we'll Y'all do it have again. To do a hog next. Oh, that'd be a good one too. Basics of hog cooking. Do a hog like that. We got all kinds of ideas yeah. for that, Mark. We just might as well start another channel. <laughs> but, I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see y'all next time. We gone. <laughs>